Aloha. It is so weird because, you know, this week is fall break. Anybody that, you know, anybody that's like grew up in the times where there were no fall breaks, would you raise your hand real quick over here, right? Should be many of us in this room like, fall break? What was fall break, right? Like these kids are spoiled today, right? I remember going to school and it was still longer than what they experienced today, correct, right? Right, like fall break was, uh, for me, fall break, right, was going to Kanaka Pond in Papaiko, right, before school started. That was fall break, okay? Still had to go to school after that, and that's the reality. But also in the falls, growing up in church, I, I'm, a, I'm a second generation Christian. My father and mother was first generation in our genealogy and all that. So, so Christianity is still new to our ohana. But, but growing up during the fall, we would have here in Hilo, Old school fall revivals. Now, maybe you may not know what a revival is, but in our understanding, a revival was was a like seven day worship experience. You would have guest speakers that came, but for us, we would have it under a tent. You guys remember? I don't know if you guys grew up here in the early '90s and mid '90s. There was that big carnival tent where today's um. Or, or today's, uh, what do you call that, swap meet, I guess you call it, downtown is, right? It used to be my, uh, we used to have revivals under those tents. We used to have revivals of Waikeuka in people's homes, the farms up there, like these revivals. And we've seen a lot of things happen in these revivals, specifically people being healed from their diseases. I grew up in a denomination that, that practiced the gift of healing beyond medical science, Okay, they would lay hands on people, they would anoint people with oil, and legitimately people were healed because of this revival experience. Now, now today in my theological understanding of revival, we believe at Ohana Church we cannot create revival. We can only leverage our hearts to experience revival. Does that make sense? We cannot muster up the will of God to outpour his sovereign power on earth. All we can do is patiently, diligently, and faithfully leverage our heart to wait upon him. That's what we believe at, at our church. We're not saying that God, God cannot do miraculous things. We are saying that. We just say we cannot manipulate God's handiwork. He is God and what? We are not. Very simple, right? And so I want to share two stories. The first story is this, all right? In, in 2007, my mother, all right, the healthiest woman in our family. Like, if, if you met my father this past uh, spring, my father should have died 30 years ago because of his health issues, all this. But my mother never had a health issue in her life until, she, until 11 years ago when we were all living in Las Vegas, Nevada, I get a phone call, and I just came from this big youth event, and a, a very a revival moment, if you could say. I got a call, and, and my family told me that my mother had a brain aneurysm. Literally, her brain just combusted. Uh, and, then, and so the details of the information was that, that, uh, that um, things were coming out of her eyeballs and her ears and her mouth and all this stuff, and she basically was brain dead. Well, then my father, who's a kahu, his church, you know, he was about to take this role to be a pastor, a kahu of this new church that started in Las Vegas. So that new congregation 
came with him, and Ulu Michael remembers this very clearly. We were in the waiting room, uh, and I was back and forth with my mom, laying hands on her, praying over her. You know, we were doing everything that we believe God can do in healing. And we were in the waiting room, and there was a lot of fanaticism going on in the waiting room. We had about 50 people just screaming to the top of their throats in this waiting room, right? Just fanaticism, things happening, saying, like, we need, we need more faith for Thomasine. We need more faith for her so that she can, she can uh, so God can heal her because of our faith and all that. And no matter how much performance we did in that room of crying out to God, speaking in unknown angelic tongues, my mom died on Easter Sunday of that year. Seven days, she struggled through the aneurysm. Brain did. And then they put one of the youngest siblings, myself, to make the decision of pulling the plug. Well, mom was in hospice, and I was the only one spiritually equipped and ready to release mom into the hands of the Lord. Are you with me? So in the hospice, I saw the most beautiful picture watching someone go from death to life. I saw my mother. Auntie Jackie knows. I'm a mama's boy. Like, for real. As a Christian lady, she scrapped for me, Hines, all right? She loved me that much. Like, it was a joy to watch, not make it about me, but to watch my mama go from the presence of her ohana to the presence of her maker. It was beautiful. They took out the long tube that was in her and, and all this thing, but, but I was assured in my hope in, in the Lord Jesus that I get to see her someday. Nothing we did could have saved my mother. Whether it was a prominent amount of faith where there was a lack of faith, it was mama's time. I just got to notice, lady, this sister was a half Hawaiian, half Filipino. Five foot one of her. The most fiery kanaka I ever met. And manang. You know what I'm saying? This, this sister had power. This sister, like, man, my motto was, was top shape. She would be the one that when, when all the football parents would complain, she would take it out of herself to just do it herself. She'd go out there and she would aloha. Everybody, everybody called her Miss Aloha. She goes, hey, honey. Everybody was bebe to her. Hey, bebe, hey, bebe. You know, that's that my mama, right? And so, and so my mama would even learn, like, my mama, was a, my mama played pop on a football. Like, my whole family played football, even my mom. Quarterback for Palama Sediment back in the 60s, all right? And, like, like she, she would take the stats since I was Kelka all the way up to Hilo She was on the sidelines with us or in the stands, and she would take the stats of every. She knew every player by name. She knew their parents. And everyone, when the parent had hakaka with me or anything, she the one who would, like, make us porno with it. Like, she was such a godly gift to us, right? But to flip the story, Lane's father around the same time, was diagnosed with colon cancer, okay? And Lane's father was, is a godly man. You guys have met him. And Lane's father was at a high stage in his colon cancer. But, but God has blessed us to have great doctors. He moved back to Tennessee at this time from Las Vegas. And that the, the greatest doctors for cancer research is in Nashville, Tennessee. 
a perfect place for him to go to. He did his radiation. He did all this. We prayed, um, and we prayed less. Can I get a witness there, right? We prayed less than how we prayed for my mother, and, and by God's grace and God, by his sovereign will, my, uh, dad was saved. Dad was rescued. He, he is cancer clear today. You know what I mean? So you see two different stories, and the question is, did, did God love Tom, Thomas? More than Thomasine, kind of weird. Huh? Yeah. My mom, Thomasine, my father, my name, Tom, Thomas. Like, does, does God love Thomas more than my mom, Thomasine? And I think the answer, you would agree with me, is no. The Bible says that we are aliens to this world, meaning that this life is what? Temporary. My, my mentor called this a earth sooth. Everybody say, Hallelujah. Because this earth is going to be Pauhana when we leave, all right? Thank the Lord for this earth. It's going to be done, right? Like there's, there's, there's all this stuff. But God didn't love uh, my father-in-law more than my, than my, than my wife. And, and, and God, why, why does God allow all these tragic things to take place with diseases, with health issues, with, uh, with, with, with war, with Hilo Nay experiencing sex trafficking? Right now, at its highest form of sex trafficking. Well, why does God allow all these things? Well, we know, based on the doctrine of sin, that the world God created is no longer the world that we know today. This world is fallen, therefore, we're going to experience fallen outbursts, fallen results. And that's why we get hakaka. That's why we always blame people for our issues. That's why we always get uh, a war against different nations, and that's why we got de Democrats and uh, Republicans and Independent Tea Party, whatever. That's why we have racism, and that's why we have all these single things. That's why we have educational issues, society issues, culture issues, conflict, tension, because the world God created ultimately is no longer the world we know today. Are you with me? Your scraps should look different now going home today. The fights in the house, the hakaka in your job site should look different because now you know there is a greater issue. And the issue is not simply just our sin nature, but the, the, the one who has caused sin. We know this from the temptation of Jesus in, in, our, text, uh, in our text this past few weeks that it's the devil. It's Satan. It's It's Lucifer. Him and the demons have ravished this world. And what God created to be perfect, today it's fallen. Therefore, that's why we have fallen attributes. That's why we have fallen issues. That's why your kids act up all the time. Can I get a witness, right? That's why your baby, right, cries when they want something. And then when you finally give him or her what they want, they what? They stop. Who taught that baby to hustle you? <laughs> Sin. It, it looks cute on the outside. But that's, like I say, a little ball of sin right there, right? You never need to teach the baby to lie, to hustle you, to cheat you, to all that. That's its nature because of this fallen world. So we see this text today, a beautiful picture about healing that we're going to address today. So, so we're continuing our book study. We are an expository church, meaning we study through books of the Bible, verse by verse. And I want, I want to make something clear. My style of preaching hurts. I get it. I want you to understand the heart I have this morning. 
my heart, the way I view it is as if you are without a relationship with Jesus today. And if you took your last breath, you would go straight to hell. Are you with me this morning? And so the way I present the gospel is, is, is a coach on the sideline. Training and coaching up his teens, saying, get out of that. Get in this technique. Look over here. Don't look over there. Right? Get, get in this group right here. Let's, on the side, let's get on the bench. Let's talk about what happened on the field. Let's fix this issue. Right? That, that's the way I view the gospel. And so my approach may sound dogmatic, divisive, but understand the heart of the gospel. Whenever we present the gospel, the gospel does one thing. It exposes your sin. Therefore, right, God's grace becomes so sufficient for us. Thank God that he exposes my sin. Thank God that he exposes our, our sin nature because of this fallen world. And so, so we get to Mark, and brother Mark is going fast to the gospel. The word he uses a lot is the word immediately after every story. And so would you stand with me in the reading of God's beautiful word? I want you to see in these verses how God addresses healing. And immediately, see how fast he's moving to the next story? Jesus left the synagogue and entered the house of who? Simon. When you get a chance, write down Peter. That's the same person. And Peter and Andrew with James and his brother John. Now Peter, Peter's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever. People ask, has, has the disciples been married? Well, right there is answered. Peter was a married man, right? And he says this, after the fever, immediately they told Jesus about her. And Jesus came, to, came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And the fever, help me out, left her. Can I get an amen out there, yeah? And she began to serve them. 32, that evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. Okay, ha, ha. think about your house, right? It says, that's some of the city. It says the whole city. All of, or we know up in our text, all of Capernaum was at the door of Simon Peter's mother-in-law. Good luck, mother-in-law, right? Verse 34. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. Here's the power to our text today. The dunamas. And he would not permit the demons to speak because, help me out, they knew him. God, thank you that we know you this morning. Help us to theologically understand the exegesis of this text. Even with big words that I say that's probably not used in most churches today, we, we use them because they present a definition of our relationship with you. So help us to the study of this text, verse by verse, word for word, the way you intend to breathe it in our life. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray, and God's ohana says greatly, amen. The title of my sermon is called Jesus Heals. Can I get a witness, right? Jesus Heals. It's not just a statement we take lightly, though we are Baptists, all right? Because Baptists get a lot of sticklers out there who, who says because we're Baptists, we don't believe in healing. This church believes in healing. Yeah. 
Why? Because the scripture says so. Well, we don't say we believe in healing because we saw this crusade just happen and we saw experiences of this crusade taking place. No, God's word is sufficient for us. We don't need any denomination, seminary, or even professional Christian scholars to tell us whether or not healing exists today. It's pretty prevalent that Jesus heals. Amen? And I want you to see clearly just two Two simple things of this short little text. Number one, Jesus heals those near to him. And we see two reality truths from this. Number one, the personal relationships of those who are near to him. We see the four disciples that Jesus specifically chosen up in our verses. We see, we see James, we see John, Simon Peter, we see Andrew, four brothers, right, that, that, that belong together in two separate families, but, but they come to one, as one family like us. We come from different set of families, but we're one family under one God. Can I get a witness, right? They are living life together. There's a personal love relationship. This is not just acquaintances, but they are family. Their relationship was not limited just to the gathering in the synagogue where they came from. Can I get a witness out there? Like, like this, this gathering is not just an acquainted gathering. This gathering is intimate. This gathering is personal. It should be intimate. It should be personal. Why? Because God is intimate and God is personal. We look at the triune head God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We base our doctrines off of the triune Godhead. And what happens, is, therefore, they are in relationship intimately, personally, organically. This is the way we believers should express that as a body of Christ. We see Jesus, we see these disciples, and now we see Mama. Peter's mama in this relationship, and we, we know a couple things about this personal relationship, that, that Peter's mom is very ill. But Jesus does... What, what he came to do, he heals. Jesus heals. Jesus didn't give mom a prescription, a pill, a medicine, right? Jesus spoke her healing into existence. Now, now we live in a fallen world, so we got fallen thoughts. So for us to think beyond the fallen world is not applicable or relevant, but it is so relevant if we're in God's word. God's word said that Jesus spoke mom's healing into existence. So here's a life application for us. Biblical healing produces biblical service. Because the result, listen to me, the result of mom being healed was put into action. She experienced a face-to-face -face encounter with the Holy One, Jesus, God in the flesh, who dwelt among us, right, came to be a propitiation for you and me. What is that? A substitute, a sacrifice, so that we might be healed in His atonement, His covering, His blood. So, so we see this great reaction. Are you ready? If you truly experience Jesus, then what happened to the mother-in-law would happen to you. You heard me? Like, like, you wouldn't be playing church today. You wouldn't just be coming to, to get what you need, right? You would also use what you got to express 
your gratitude. And that's what we see. We see a, a woman filled with diseases. Jesus rescues her, and her immediate response was she served the family. Is that your relationship with Jesus? Or is it just some Sundays? Or is it, is it just is it some quarterly? Is it just Easter? Is it just Christmas? Or does it look like an ongoing, vibrant, real relationship? I think uh, Mark chapter 10, we skip down to chapter 10, gives us the greatest theme of the gospel of Mark. It says it this, that even the Son of Man, who is who? Jesus, right? He came not to be what? Serve, but to what? Serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus did things that us local brothers think is uncool. What does it mean? Man, really? I got to serve on white kale brother? For real? And the white kale brother says, I'm not touching that pagan hilo brother over there. You crazy or what? I'm serious. I know that the, the, the rivalry is different this age, this new age. Everybody text warriors this year, yeah? They're not real warriors, huh? And no, I'm just saying, like, like our boys, our football team, got doing scrap over texting and all that. And then when I brought them all together face to face, all of them quiet. Text warriors this way, all of them. Or texting Vikings, you know. But, uh, and, and that's the reality. We live, that's what the fallen world has done. It has perverted how we communicate to one another. So, so what we get to do is, if we've experienced, like mother-in-law, like mom, if we've experienced true healing, shouldn't the result of her result be the same for us today? Absolutely, yes. Correct. We, we don't serve people because God needs them. We don't serve people because God needs us, per se. We serve people because God, listen to me, God made himself real. Period. That's why we say we came face to face. We've experienced this face to face encounter with the living God. Therefore, like Peter's mother-in-law, our response is to immediately jump in on what Jesus does and that's serving others. But I believe it's through the local church. One amen. That's hard because we're all guilty of forsaking the local church. You see, see, God can't just die for you, right? And you not be involved in the others that he also died for. God didn't rescue you to isolate you. God, God rescued you to belong, right? To, to belong, to vibrantly, intentionally belong. Why? Because church is not an event, it's not even an experience. The church is a family. And what families do is they do life together, as we learned last, last couple weeks. But I want you to see there, there's another thing. Like there's, the, there's a personal relationship. I want you to see something in this context. There's a, there's a potential risk. Do you guys know what day it is in this text? It's Saturday. What is Saturday in the Jewish context? The Sabbath. There's a potential risk going on because Jesus did something that he should have not based on the Old Testament and traditional law. The Sabbath was to, the word Sabbath means to, to cease, to rest, to not do anything. And even something as good as healing an individual was kapu to the law. Look at what Exodus says. Moses says this, that observe the Sabbath. Meaning, the word observe meaning obey. Obey the Sabbath. Because it is holy, what? To you. 
Anyone who desecrates it is to be what? Say it again. It's to what? You thought we had it hot in America, right? Every one of us is guilty. We all should be put to death based on this standard. Those who do any work on that day must be what? Cut off, literally, from their people. This was their view of God. God implemented the Sabbath. And man worshiped God by not working, but by ceasing. And so Jesus comes on the scene, the one who institutes the Sabbath, right? We know that on the seventh day, God what? Rested, right? But listen to me, and we're going to preach more of this in chapter 4 of the Gospel of Mark. What they realize is that without Jesus, all this was from Exodus to the Gospel of Mark was a law. That's it. But Jesus on the scene, now he comes on the scene, this law becomes fulfilled by what? In Christ. Christ demonstrates that the Old Testament is not fulfilled apart from him. Therefore, there's two reasons from a worldview why Jesus was crucified. Number one, treason. Well, treason. What was, what was treason? He just did it. He healed somebody. He did something. He did something, even if it was a good thing to do, right? He did something on this day, okay? Second worldview is that he was crucified because he was a blasphemous. What did Jesus say about himself? He's God. That's blasphemy in this culture. But they're blinded by their tradition and they don't understand that their word that they trust in, the Torah, the prophets, speaks about him. They've been waiting for this Messiah for 1,500 years to 2,000 years. And he's on the scene, John says. He, his body became flesh, right? He dwelt among us and God has made himself known through bodily form. And they were in a potential risk. How many of you are risking your life today for the gospel? Like how many of you like, are truly like, when was the last time you told somebody about their sin? Right? I, I know we want to all be buddies here. That don't live by that standard. It don't work that way. If we don't, if we, I don't live by the standard, we must all get along. If we did that, we would not be able to preach the true gospel. There is a heaven. There is a hell. There is a rescuer. There is a deceiver. Jesus. Satan. There is a prosperity gospel that God wants you to be better in and of itself. And there's the true gospel that you're the reason why you're in the situation you're in. And you need Jesus, right? Right. How many of you was the last time you really spoke honestly about the gospel? Even with one of our teenagers this week. Got to sit down with the individual and got to share the gospel with this individual. And by the end of the conversation, I'm going to tell you this. You share Jesus 20 million times in that conversation, the, the MO of that individual will change. If that individual was heated, if that individual was, was mad, whatever the case is, whatever the feeling and the mood is, you profess Jesus, all right? There's going to be some softness taking place. Why? Because Jesus does what this text does. He heals. He heals. So, so I want you to see the potential risk of what's happening. These people could possibly be killed because they are healing. Jesus is healing people on the Sabbath. Number two, and we pout. 
Jesus heals those far from him. All right? We see in our text, our remaining verses tells us that after the Sabbath was over, right? After the risk part was over, then, 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 the, then the, uh, the disciples act brave now. You know what I'm saying? They started to act brave. Peter, Andrew, James, and John began to bring people in the city to Jesus. It is hoarding spiritually if you've been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ and you do nothing with it. But in this text, they can't help because they know there's some sick buggers out there in Capernaum and they need healing power just like mom does. So here's a life application for us. Biblical healing produces missional living. Right? I grew up in a, in a denomination where we would go through these crusades. Um, for instance, a crusade up at Blaisdell in the 90s. And this gentleman would, would literally wrap up the Holy Spirit and he would throw it in the crowd. And many people would fall down on their backs, right? And all that. And there was a situation. I went with a youth group from a church in this city. We went up there. And, and what happened was we were inside the West Wing area and we were all up in the crowd holding hands. And you guys remember that old song? To God be the glory. You know, to God. You know, and we singing all that song. And it was awesome, powerful. Like I emotionally felt Jesus, right? But what happened was he started then grabbing the, the Holy Spirit, wrapping them up like a baseball, and throwing it to different parts of the crowd. Wah! Ha la 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 ha la la la. Boom, people dropping on their backs, all this stuff. Then it came to our section. Okay? Promises. God is my witness. Where our 50 plus of our youth is there. And this connect is here. And I'm waiting. I said, what is this going to be like? You know, I was like on the football. Yes, sir. Put me on the field, coach. Here we go. All right. He drops that, throws it our way. All, all 49 of us fall but me. <laughs> and so my hand's in the air, and I drop them because everybody's falling on their seat. And they're all going, you know, in their fanaticism, what's going on. And so just to um, make me not look like the idiot that I already am, right, I sit down and close my eyes, Okay. <laughs> Right? And, so, and I grew up in this denomination. I, I see it all. My father practices it. We call it slain in the spirit and all that. We practice it. The deacons would come. You know, they would catch them. You know, one time this happened in Ohana Church, if you guys remember, the YWCA. Where we, we were just praying for people. We were practicing this slain in the spirit. And Brada would fall on top of the, the speaker. And, her, and, and here it is. That Brada had one broken back. You know, I mean, I mean, I don't know if you know just theologically, like, would God do that to you? Right? Hurt back, break them more, you know. And, like, and, and, and this brother was big, like bigger than me and Connie, believe it or not. I mean, I mean and had a small little Filipino auntie behind him, Putin. Who thinks she was small and quicker? She was like jab, step right, and it was all good, bro. You know? We call it a break in football. Yeah, she didn't break away from him, you know? And that's the reality. But like, I'm not trying to make fun of our, this movement because God really did amazing things in these movements. But what, what, was, what was the tension was when we went outside, one, they, they called these women the anointed four. One of them addressed me and told me that even if she was probably right, you know, you just don't tell a, a hot-headed 18 Hawaiian boy these words, you know. She just said, man, you, man you're going to go to hell. You don't know God. And all that. Everybody would fall on their back but you. And in my mind, I'm like, like, I'm like uh, I guess you never fall on your back because you're looking at me, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, so you got to imagine the kind of culture I grew up in. Like, like, it was so hypocrisy, the church that I grew up in. And so, you know, that's the reality. But I was, I was still smart, but I was smart with my mouth too, yeah? 
and all that. And so we was outside. And so you know us Kanakas, yeah, us local brothers. The first thing that I did was I took my shirt off. I said, what? <laughs> I scrap. I'll lick you right now. I ain't your, I'm your husband right now. What? What's bad that you have to send me home? The pastor's son from a different church had to, had to be sent home. And so, so you see why, you see what happened. The healing wasn't about Jesus. Healing was about the experience. I want you to see that the text says nothing about the experience. Like it wasn't at a coliseum. It wasn't at a synagogue. In fact, it wasn't at a dated date that we eventually, you know, like we're going to host an event coming up a couple weeks for the youth. It wasn't that. It was just randomly. Mama was healed. His, her sons wanted her friends to experience that. So they never have Instagram and all this stuff for posts. Oh, we're going to have a healing service at 2 p.m. at Mama's house. Uh, no, no. It was automatically unplanned. Brothers went go grab their friends all in the city. And they said the whole city came to the house. 